Two? Part two, yeah. No, we're on. Yeah, we're, we're recording. Part two, I'm like, that was all thing. recording. I, I figured, <laughs> uh, given our recent experience in the past twenty minutes, we could talk about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get a little uncomfortable there. Getting uncomfortable. <laughs> Good and, one. Uh, well, may, maybe in a in a tr true sense, like talking about nasal breathing, as because that's one of the things that a lot of people in here experiment with. Yeah. Given your leadership. Uh, you know, that's one thing that I think is a variable that can instantly add a degree of uncomfortability to any exercise. Oh, yeah. And Jet, like we were uh, talking about then with the willingness to get uncomfortable initially will actually lead to more comfort later on. And kind of continue with that theme. That going to the growing pains of nasal breathing only, yeah, there's a lot of suffering involved uh, initially. It feels like you can't get any air in, you're air hungry for the lion's share of the time, but later on it pays off big, and that goes along with anything. Discomfort at first leading to comfort later on, improving your life in the long run. Yeah. And that's a, a pretty potent example of the willingness to get into an uncomfortable zone will bring you happiness ultimately. And it's also a good example of how, like, not that I've been doing it for very long, but when I first started playing around with it, it was like very uncomfortable and you almost like a panic sets yeah. in where oh, you're yeah. like you can't yeah. breathe and it's like you're suffocating right. almost and so that becomes like pretty pretty uncomfortable both yeah. mentally and and physically but then you start getting used to it and you're like okay i've been i've been here before yeah i know what it's gonna feel like i'm not gonna die it's, gonna, right. it's gonna be fine it's it's funny because literally um like there's have you heard of those examples of those people that don't know fear they don't like they're psychological. They're a pathological disorder. They no. don't know how to feel fear. Like they they've been through like pretty grave, like absolute traumatic events. They still haven't experienced the feeling of fear. Wow. So so, so anyways, scientists were studying these people, and they were like, "What? Well, well, how can we make them feel that fear?" And so pretty horrific experiments. But nonetheless, it was actually for the, it wasn't one, like one of those like um, terrible like like sleep. Deprivation experiments where it ends up being a, like a bad story. But, I mean, fear is a necessary response. Discomfort is a necessary response. So what they did to make them feel fear, speaking of air hunger bringing a particular type of fear, is that they, um, they flooded them with CO2. And they went from never feeling fear in their whole life to having absolute panic attacks because their body, without artificially, just... Um, absolutely flooded the system with CO2, and then they went to an immediate anxiety attack. When they had been, like, not to get into the gritty details, they had been uh, in a, a life event where they'd been raped, they'd been kidnapped, some of these people, mm -hmm. and a particular woman had never felt fear over any of that. They never faced her. And wow. then that instance right there, which I can attest to, um, in the pool sessions it, and special operations pipeline, you'd see these rocks of men, these absolute hammers, and they would, you, you could, physically, you could put them through anything on land. And then you'd see these same men falling on the side of the pool, literally tears running down their face, shamelessly terrified to get back in the water. You've got a cadre right there telling them, get back in, and yelling all sorts of obscenities. 
and they they just wouldn't. They'd be clawing on the side of the pool, wow. and the Padres would drag him inside. It's, it's like a great e equalizer. So of course that brings us even on land. It'll make us pure panic. And, right. But the more we're able to tolerate it, the better off we can handle any situation. I think so. It's a it's a good parallel to whatever we encounter, being able to face it head on. And you, that's like a, just like with the hot and hot and the cold we talked about last episode. That's like a really concrete physiological variable that you can contend with. Yeah. Right. You can temperature and how you can kind of overcome that through your yeah. through your calmness and through your breathing through meditation even yeah. though even though the discomfort yeah. is there and same with the breathing right if you're exercising yeah. those types of breathing techniques and nasal only techniques you go inward to face outward right you have and, to, yeah yeah and i think it it's i truly think that our willingness to face discomfort can bring about as a catalyst especially in those situations where we're going in something it's the catalyst for the biggest amount of change in our lives right because if we're going into some cold exposure or hot exposure that's undeniable that you're going to have to go within to face that mean this these extremes right and there's no hiding from it so in that sense that you're forced into a state of accepting and surrendering to this discomfort and living in this discomfort and this discomfort translates over to things like the discomfort of, let's say, eating well. Like we have to go in, temporarily go into discomfort to adapt to, like, we're trying to eat healthier, trying to eat well fruits and vegetables. We're going to go through cravings. We're going to go through all sorts of I mean, headaches and, um, and, and tribulations with that eating well. But the, the uh, capacity to be able to suffer through that, you know, that change in um, how we're eating is going to pay off big time. No one can deny that. And being willing to ride out the the cravings, right out the the hunger, and right out will ultimately pay off big in our lives. Yeah, I cut you off beforehand. No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, is there something? Is there anything in your guys' lives that kind of comes to comes to the top of your head of like something you're doing now or you have done recently? or that you do regularly to get uncomfortable that pays off for you? I have one that, <clears throat> well, I have an example of something that much like the breathing thing, when I first started was like the scariest thing to do. And now is over time through, you know, kind of just a disciplined effort has become like a part of my life. And that's uh, performing with music when I was, so I like never had natural tendencies to like, be in front of people or to be creative in front of people and get in front of a crowd and like those things are very kind of uh i guess like atypical for my for how i am motivated um but i was always motivated to play music and the natural progression was eventually i want to share this in a in a venue of like you know a social environment so um even now like sometimes it's doing it for so many years it's normalized now but even sometimes you know i get that thought of like wow i'm about to you know be in front of all these people and like vulnerable and um that's not really necessarily a physical pursuit but just from like a you know from a spiritual perspective you know you gotta kind of like like you said levi you gotta um accept it and uh also just you know go inward and you know, for yeah. me it's like kind of let the music do the work oh yeah so, and I, I kind of look at it along the same vein, it is, I don't do it as much anymore, but I still think it's valuable to, as a skill to, um, or as a practice, I should say. Um, but I think similar, 
that I would intentionally go into what I'd call ego killing exercises. Because like, for example, if I'm doing like, like Wim Hof breathing in a crowded park, right, that takes, you look weird. You look like a weirdo doing some obnoxious breathing in front of a bunch of people. But I, I, was, I would intentionally go out and expose myself to that not to make a spectacle because I wanted to like, get into an ice lake and the only place I had to do it was a public lake, right? And so I would use that so I could make any interaction that I'd ever do I'm not worried about what these, whatever, 15 other people I'll never see ever again are thinking about. <clears throat> I'm only worried about what am I doing to make myself uh, improve my, my life hmm. situation, right? So, and I think that kind of falls under that, too. It's like, yeah, there is a bunch of people staring at you, a bunch of strangers and some, maybe some friends. But, again, the impermanence of that interaction is going to carry with you. Yeah. And it's, I, I think, in a, in a way, that's a very ego-killing exercise or ego <laughs> Raising, like say, depending really on well. yeah. Yeah. if everyone's screaming and roaring at you, and yeah. yeah, you're gonna be fired up. But then that's that's the reward, right? Right. And I think the initial, if you were afraid of the initial discomfort of that and never taking that step, and even even if it lasted, you know, for me personally, it was like years until I felt like this is a normal thing for me to do. But um, had you never taken that step in the first place and dealt with that discomfort, you would never give any semblance to the, the right. art that you're trying to share yeah. or if something that you just enjoyed doing, you don't get to do it because you were uncomfortable yeah. at the beginning stage. And that's, I'm sure that I've never performed in front of anyone like that, but that's massively rewarding to go out there and you might be very scared, very nervous before you go on to playing in front of everyone. I don't know. I, I, I imagine that there's nervousness that goes along with going out and performing a bunch of people, but then you never feel that massive flood of dopamine when you go out there and you're killing it and everyone's cheering for you, singing along with the songs, it's got to be, I mean, extremely rewarding. Mm. Well, for me, it's, like, turned from, uh, like, discomfort and anxiety, for lack of a better term, to, like, ex it's excitement, and right. I just I just view it differently. It's still, like, internal energy, right? Yeah. But it's, like, excited energy. But like, I'm not it, yeah? scared. Right. Uh, but that's only because of the prolonged sitting with discomfort that like hey this is just how it's going to feel for a while like exposure methods yeah. Right? yeah and that's applicable to all the stuff we're talking about is like the initial especially the initial phase of any endeavor is going to be 10 times more uncomfortable than like the breathing things we're talking about just getting yourself to nasal breathe for the first time for the first workout is going to be probably the worst yeah. one ever and it only gets easier the more you do it yeah and just a i think a willingness to not compare yourself to you, to anyone else, just realize you're doing this for a purpose, right? Because if you start comparing, like if you compare yourself to, like we do, we did 500 meter intervals today. If you're comparing how you normally do 500 meter intervals and you've never done just nasal breathing, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Mm -hmm. So washing away the memory of how you're typically performing, because this, this is a new modality, mm -hmm. then you don't have to have to carry the burden of comparing. You just let it be how it is in that moment. Yeah, I mean, and just CrossFit classes is a good example of that. Like, in the beginning, think of how nervous most people are. Oh, yeah. And then now it's, I don't even, I mean, every once in a while, there'll be a specific workout, like, you know, Fran or something like that, where I get, like, you know, some butterflies and stuff. But Kelsey. Yeah, but it's, uh, but in general, like, from something that was created a lot of, like fear and anxiety when I first started going to CrossFit classes. Now it's like, yeah, <clears throat> no big deal. And that's pretty common across most, if not every uh, endeavor that makes you nervous. Well, and it's, you can use, you can, that can either be a detriment or that could be a, um, that could be a boost, right? Yeah. That excitement can help you perform better or it can absolutely destroy you. 
And that's even, that goes into too, like once something doesn't make you uncomfortable anymore or doesn't, you know, in, trigger that kind of like fear, anxiety, maybe it's time to turn the dial up. Yeah, get bit. out of your element again. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's completely valid. And something that I, I've been super conscious of in my own life too is like, it's almost with CrossFit specifically, it's gotten to the point where like even like something that's like a super hard, difficult, externally visually difficult metcon. It's like I get done with it. And I'm like, well, that was just kind of another day of training, you know. But it's like so you gotta find variables like the breathing or or stepping outside of CrossFit to a different athletic pursuit that challenges you in a way that's not uh that's not that makes you feel like a novice again or even if you just go experience something for a day, yeah. uh, I think it's valuable. Well, we were talking about the Misogis, um, and I mean, we were talking about uh, doing a, whatever, a marathon, um, a marathon on the road, right? And um, doing it in three hours and 30 minutes. Now, honestly, if I, was to be, if I was to be realistic, I'd say harder than that for me, 50-50 shot, don't die. I think it would be to 10-day silent retreat, like I had intended that one time. That would be, because I'm good at moving and suffering and, and a, active suffering, right? But that sitting still with your thoughts and just enduring the it's silence, right? Yeah. yeah. So being creative with what you sincerely think is going to get you the most uncomfortable. Yeah, every, everybody has that different thing. Like, like a, so you, Ryan, and I, we've actually talked about being uncomfortable before and, like, had challenges, like, you know, trying to help each other do things that get us outside our comfort zone and um i brought up one that's like kind of silly but i have like a horrible fear of going to the dentist oh yeah <laughs> and uh so like a couple months ago i started like going regularly and like getting everything oh, ta really? taken started, care of, of appointments? but uh it's still in the phase of you know i get anxiety and all that stuff yeah <clears throat> before i go but it's but I'm sure over time it's going to be. What is your fear of it? The drills and whatnot. Well, when I was a kid, like I fell and smashed my face on a like a um, pavement like uh, curb. Yeah. And uh, and the dentist like had to go in there and like pull a tooth out that was, oh, it was snapped just in half. Yeah. And I was like six years old. It's just, just traumatized. traumatized me. Yeah. <laughs> and I can see the ridiculousness of yeah. it, but it's still there. I like, know. And so it's good and brave to acknowledge those things yeah even yeah. though it seems it silly seems and everybody silly, is has something different there, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and you could you, you have two choices where you could just like never go to the dentist <laughs> yeah and then you're gonna be in you know or a world of pain be yeah. uncomfortable as an adult right like being like well i know this is dumb but it's still like really <laughs> uncomfortable to do right but um but yeah i mean that's that's just one example of something that is probably pretty like I'm sure there's other people that are afraid yeah, of dentists too. Yeah, that's having to do with right? But, um, but it's going to be different for everybody. So once something isn't isn't challenging to you anymore, it's good to find something that is. And I've yeah, found like... Keep pushing the, yeah, the, the limits there. There definitely are. Like you were mentioning being like a kid again and, and finding things like jujitsu and, um, you know, shooting classes and stuff like that that are um, get you outside the comfort zone. And I think I've, like my life was... CrossFit, you know, and I'm always like challenged with the business and all that stuff too. But um, finding things that are that scare you a little bit, um, I think is important. What's uh, in jujitsu? <clears throat> the white belt mentality. White belt mentality. Right. Been, <laughs> well, I've, I've, having I've, that white belt mentality for everything. For everything, yeah. yeah. But for that specific, 
endeavor, I think the big thing is humility because as a, right. as a person who's like a strong, capable athlete to be ragdolled by somebody who's yeah. not a strong, capable athlete, but has more skills than you yeah. is very, uh, it gives you a lot of humility, right? It's like puts into perspective. Right. You, you have to be just a learner. You have to be okay with failing. You have to be okay with like, okay kind of, with failing is a big one. Yeah. I like that. Like, okay. I could just not tap, but then my arm's broken. Right. Or I could just tap and accept the defeat. And, ex- and acceptance and, and of that failure is possibility. How did I get to that? So I don't have to. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> but, I mean, that's that's like one really, again, I use this term already, but concrete example that of, you know, it is uncomfortable to get tapped out or submitted, but it's also necessary. Yeah. Or else I'll never learn how to not let that happen or right. how to defend it. Right? I mean, we learn some of the most potent um, lessons from our failures, not our victories, right? Yeah. yeah. And and a lot of that is dropping your ego and like the humility thing of like I'm not there trying to win. Yeah. Right? I'm there trying to learn. To grow. And that's the I think that is the the like you said, white belt mentality. Imply that to everything in life yeah. as best as you can is I'm really not trying to win. Right. Whereas that's like if, a change. Again, like as a competitive athlete who you know has competed yeah. at the college level and teen sports and all that, it's it's kind of foreign, but it's like Really, well, what needs to happen at, from a you know psychological evolution? It's like it's like this: if you're always the biggest fish in the pond, then you're gonna be you're gonna be stagnant as far as growth goes. If you can surround yourself with people, I mean, iron sharpens iron. You can surround yourself with people better than you. You're hanging around with foreign geniuses, you'll be the fifth. So if if you surround yourself with people that are good, then you'll be sharp too. Albeit uncomfortable. Albeit uncomfortable, yeah. And, that's and, and expecting that to be the case. Right. Yeah. It would probably you probably wouldn't see much growth if you were ragdolling everyone when you were going in to yeah. jujitsu. Can you describe a masogi? Because I don't, I think you briefly mentioned it last on the okay. on the first episode of this, but yeah. So the uh, masogi is well, it's, it comes from a Japanese purification ritual, and it's essentially a spiritual baptism of you're doing the, the idea to write from that the idea is you're picking one very hard thing per year um, that you want there's only two rules I don't not one two there's two rules and rule one it legitimately has to be a 50 50 shot of um, a completion yeah. yeah completion the other rule is that you can't die so with, through that process of doing something agonizingly hard, you'll you'll come out the other side just very comfortable with discomfort, right? And that allows us the catalyst for, for for a lot of growth and mean a spiritual reset, let's say. And I think it I truly do think that I mean modern society's inability to go into uncomfortable zones is killing us. I think. I mean even to the extent of <clears throat> We talked about this last time. I do it. I'm sure you guys do it. Like, I can't sit in line. When I try not to now. I can't sit in line and just sit there. I have to, like, have a moment of free time. I'm looking at my phone. Like, what, what's on the news right now? It's something silly. I don't need to. I can't right. just observe things. So even a willingness to just sit there is impossible. It's impossible for us nowadays. You can't just drive. You have to listen to, like, whatever, music, audio book, podcast. Right. That's another side. We're trying to like flee discomfort in whatever way we can. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that's an exercise in being and getting into that discomfort zone. Yeah, and that seems so. I think for the layperson, seems so counterintuitive. Yeah. Like it's it's actually not doing anything. Not doing anything is one of the most could be uncomfortable the things. Thing to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> because we're so constantly stimulated and right and flooded with chemicals. To that's why, like, even <clears throat> establishing like a ten minute meditation routine can be pretty pretty hard for. Them, mm-hmm. Where you just sit there and do nothing. You just yeah. focus on breathing. And a twelve hour a day for ten days is absolutely. I mean, that's terrifying to me. So that no talking, <laughs> no talking whatsoever. I think hard conversations are also like one of the that's biggest thing that's lacking in a lot of people's right. toolbox these days. Like I know, especially hard conversations that result in a positive outcome, because I think a lot of people are easy to get quickly like riled up and just write off whoever they're you know having an argument with right. or having a hard conversation with. But like especially like now. I, there's a lot of like conversations that I have to have and I've gotten, I've gotten more comfortable with them. But also if you go into them and you're not like picturing it like a fight, instead you're picturing it like, how can this, how can an outcome or how can there be an outcome that's like a win-win, you know? Favorable forever. Yeah. You know? Or you're not creating some nightmare scenario. Right. That before you go into it, you're just deathly terrified of. Right. But in, anxiety over it. but in the beginning, if there was some, you know, a member that had an issue or a, a coach or something where I had to have a hard conversation with. And in the beginning, I couldn't even think about like a positive outcome. I was just purely thinking about like, Oh, this is going to suck. Like we're going to, it's going to be horrible. And like, yeah. you know, thinking of, um, about how you can come out of it saving face instead of like how it can be a winning, um, you know, a win win for everybody. But your white belt mentality with that too. Yeah, and I think that speaks to your humility <clears throat> at at this point. With like, you don't necessarily want your vantage point to win. You want the best solution to win, right? So it's right. like removing your personal, removing your dog from the fight, and just being like, I just want the best outcome to happen. Right. And if it's not my outcome, then that's like it's not the end of the world. Yeah, and, and it and it had and that came about through some just diving into it and being uncomfortable and probably having bad conversations with bad results. But yeah. over time, you know, well, just, just like anything else, if you, yeah. Yeah. if you throw yourself into it, then eventually you'll find, find the right way. And that's, a, I think an example too of like, let's say you avoided that conversation and then you're prolonging suffering for however long by never right. talking about it. So yeah. the end result is more suffering, not less. Yeah. Just animosity. And yeah. That. And it grows in an exponential way, not, yeah. not a linear way. Most yeah. of the time, the things that you know you shouldn't right. put off. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think everybody. Like, if you think about something, I think everybody could probably think about one thing in their life that they should be doing that's going to make them uncomfortable, but it's going to make their life way better. Like everybody, I bet if you think about it, something will come to mind. You know. Well, so, easily. Yeah. There's probably some. There's probably people like. Just about everyone that listens to this is gonna be like, I wish I had this, thought, this conversation with my boss. I wish right. I could yeah. do this and that. They've probably been putting off for weeks and weeks, or whatever. Right. Their kids, or their, their mom and dad. But, but right. they just endure life without having that. Yeah, I'm gonna put this into a very esoteric uh, metaphor for today's programming. So today we did pause back squat here at, uh, for all the primal athletics gyms. What makes a pause back squat so challenging and uncomfortable is the fact that you have to break inertia midway through the lift, right? Where normally we're used to 
eccentric concentric you get that mm -hmm. little change of direction so we got to kind of stop and start uh, from from the dead stop and break breaking inertia is the part that's super uncomfortable right yeah. you have to regain position in a way you have to regain some of that activation and speed um, so likewise say you ha you're thinking of that one thing where it's like I really should just like paint the freaking house but I don't want to go through all the painstaking you know process to make it happen but it's really most of the time just breaking inertia that's super uncomfortable. right but once momentum's but once you make one step yeah. you go to the store and you buy the paint right it's like it just kind of starts happening snowballing oh, momentum yeah. Um, but yeah i think i don't know that popped in my head because we just did some pause squats today yeah <laughs> i like that connection yeah. yeah no it's true that's and that's the most uncomfortable position to be in in the squat so to hang out there for a little bit a couple extra seconds it's it's good for the extra grade. special yeah yeah yeah, psychological warfare. Weak legs yeah. equals weak minds. That's what Josh Bridges says. <laughs> well, he's probably got some good legs to stand on. With that. Yeah. Is that an <laughs> intentional pun? Or? <clears throat> it was both. Yeah. Well, I think we covered a lot today, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Well, given that and episode one. Episode one. Yeah. I think that was well worthy of going over again. I think it might be one of our most important episodes. Yeah, if you guys didn't hear that one and you're listening to this one, it, it does connect, so go back and listen uh, to part one of the uncomfortability. Yeah, no, and we do have, like, very early stages trying to figure out a way where we could do some sort of, like, group Masogi oh, type, yeah. type thing. So That's right. Primal if, Athletics if you are, yeah. yeah. So if you have interest in that, reach out to one of us and we'll, uh, we'll, start, getting we'll the gears. start getting it developed. That would be awesome. Uh, purification. Purification. <laughs> Walk like that Michael Scott, the office where they're like walking on, <laughs> walking on coals. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, we'll make it.